0: Welcome into episode 74 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again, as always, Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you?
1: Doing well, Jack. On the drive home from Rupp Arena, and excited to record another episode of Sources Say
0: and I'm excited to record another winning edition of the Sources Say podcast because you know we we kind of hit that hit that little rut there for a while where every single episode we we had kind of sounded like we were being negative Nancys and and uh, you know nothing but pessimism and you know that's just not how I fly so I appreciate Kentucky's efforts to give us a second consecutive win uh, and it was an exciting one Sean 77 74 uh, Kentucky defeats Vanderbilt we got a game winning. A three-point attempt from the right corner from Davion Mintz. Uh, and then just a, a crazy final sequence where Davion makes the right corner three. UK gets a massive stop on the other end. Davion Mintz gets on the other end of the floor, misses a, a, a shot close to the basket. And then Vandy returns on the other side of the floor. They get one good look from, I believe, the right corner three. Misses. They get the offensive rebound. And then they get a, a an incredible look from the right, the right wing. And that shot, Sean, bounced around the rim. I mean, it touched every single bit of that rim. And it just, thank goodness, rolled out. Kentucky wins 77-74. So, Sean, kind of first off, kind of talk me through that last sequence. What was going through your mind when, you know, Davion makes the shot and then responds and then it, the the just the back and forth, the, those four final plays to end the game?
1: Once he made the shot, it was just – get a stop, get a stop, get a rebound, and go from there and find a way to come out with another win. But the play, Jack, the, the play that was drawn up by John Calipari out of that timeout, I thought that was something that kind of was under the radar and kind of uh, was the, the keys to the game tonight was the situations out of timeouts and the execution, which is something that Cal and the staff has been talking about now for weeks that was really holding this team back. There were, there were a couple things, turnovers and execution. And to not – both of those things were there. Kentucky committed two turnovers in a 40-minute game of basketball. Think about that. This was a team that was turning it over two to three times a minute, it felt like, a month ago. To have the ability to take care of the basketball, which has improved their offense, which still has some flaws to it, and they still go through spurts, but it's getting better. Mm -hmm. But the play to Mintz. Everything was perfect on that play. They used Dante Allen kind of as a deep point on that, and when you ran that action for him on the, at the bottom of the screen there on the right side of the floor, it required so much attention because you can't lose out. Devin Askew, key to the play. He gets by he gets by the hip of his defender, gets to the middle of the floor, and then Jacob Toppins sets a beautiful back screen, a flare screen there to get men's free in the corner. The attention on Dante – and ask you getting to the middle of the floor, it forced Toppin's man to be out of position where they could not switch that flare screen. And Davion Mintz just drills it right in front of the UK bench, Jack. And I look at this, look at this. It's like, we're at a point now where Davion Mintz, Jacob Toppin, and Dante Allen are on the floor at crunch time. I don't think anyone <laughs> going into this season, I think Mintz, I think we all thought Mintz would be a guy that they could lean on at times. But are we getting to a point here where we kind of think that Kentucky's guys are guys that we didn't think they would be?
0: I, you, know, you know, what's so crazy is right now, UK is getting absolutely nothing out of Terrence Clark and BJ Boston. Terrence, for obvious reasons, he's he's heard, and, and we don't know when he's going to return. I know Cal on his radio show last night said, you know, kind of hinted that, yeah, Terrence will not go today against Vandy and then, but then but kind of said, you know, we're just kind of waiting to see what the doctors say. It could still be a little while. So almost hinted that he wasn't going to play this weekend against Florida either. So UK is without Terrence Clark. But even when he was in, I mean, it, the the production was in, inconsistent. It, you really didn't know what you're going to get out of Terrence every single game. And then B.J. Boston's the other two, uh, the other guy out of that, that two, that dynamic duo that we thought was going to be before – the season started, and UK's just getting absolutely nothing out of him uh, looking up the numbers right now. BJ finished with a a season low, uh, six points on three of nine shooting, two rebounds, one assist, um, and one steal. And, you know, that's in 27 minutes worth. So, I mean, we're, we're really getting to the point where, you know, UK is not utilizing BJ Boston or not needing him. The way that that yeah, I think I think that the staff has kind of looked at, looked at themselves in the mirror and said, "This just isn't the winning recipe right now." We're gonna we're gonna still play through him and see if we can get him rolling a little bit. But by no means is Kentucky relying on BJ Boston anymore. And I think it's been well, as we've seen in the win loss column, it's been a net positive.
1: Yeah, at some point they had to kind of flip the script just for the time being. Uh, winning, get, winning basketball games has to be priority number one right now because you've got to get above 500. you You've got to fight your way back, get, in, get into a position to put yourself in the NCAA tournament and hopefully make a run. Hopefully by that point, V.J. Boston is finding a way to make an impact on this team. Right now, Jack, it just comes down to there's a reason why Devin Askew is getting better, and there's a reason why V.J. Boston is kind of still struggling. It all comes down to fundamentals for me, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Devin Askew, the biggest difference that I see from him now is his preparation and, and when he gets into attack mode to go up for a shot. Like tonight, they're in the first half, a beautiful floater that he came to a jump stop and went straight up off two feet. B.J. Boston is still trying to get too flashy when he gets to the rim. Uh, you saw some, some of the scoop getting in there and trying to scoop things and scoop it up. It just, to me, fundamentals are lacking in his offensive game. Right now, and then you put that with not making shots. We're at game nine now, and you know, we keep saying people keep saying BJ, some people were saying BJ needs to keep shooting to get out of the slump jack. At what point can we kind of say that BJ Boston might not be a good shooter at the college level? I mean, it's he's shooting 30, 35% from the floor, 15% from the three point line, and we're at nine games. Those shots had to go elsewhere. Also, John Calipari put him on the bench for the final 6:58 tonight. There were a lot of questions. Even we questioned it. Would Cal have made that decision at Mississippi State Saturday? Yeah. We don't know if he would have. But I think that Bruiser and the staff making that call, I think it was easier for Cal to make that call tonight. And it was the right call to win this game. I keep saying it. At some point, it might not be the right call. If B.J. Boston ever gets his stuff figured out and gets it going. But right now, you can't have wasted possessions. You've got to have guys on the floor that value possessions. And also, these guys that are playing, they find they find a way to impact the game even when they're not scoring. Yeah. And right now, BJ's not impacting the game in any way if he's not able to put the ball in the basket.
0: And we gotta talk about Cal's comments after the game and kind of just the build up to this on his on his radio show Monday evening, Cal said that there is one player. On the roster that he is um, having stay at his house now To kind of develop that relationship And try to, you know, just kind of work through some things And Tom Hart tonight on the, the SEC Network broadcast Confirmed that that player was B.J. Boston It is very, very clear that B.J. is not the player That we anticipated And I think a very significant part of that is his confidence Right now, you know, looking at what we saw Last year with him at Sierra Canyon, AAU circuit, um, you know, playing in Georgia, that, that, that is a kid that wore his confidence on his sleeve. He was a dude that that no matter who he was going up against, he looked at the opposition in the mirror in in, in the eye and said, you will not be able to stop me. And that was kind of just that that, that dog mentality that he had in high school and, and at the AAU level. And he's lost that. And I think Cal knows that. And that's why he he went out of his way to say, look, BJ, you're, I, I want you to come, you know, live with me for a little while. Let's, you know, let's let's work through your confidence issues. Let's kind of let's kind of talk. And after the game today, Cal kind of went out of his way. There was a moment during the game that that BJ kind of took one of his, you know, re- step back. It was it was it ended up being a long two, but I think he was trying to make it a, a you know, one of those James Harden step back threes. And, uh, I mean, it just clanked off the rim. It wasn't even remotely close. And the Rupp Arena fan base booed him. And I I think that that kind of struck a chord with Cal in the post-game press conference. He kind of went in there a little bit frustrated. And the second BJ was brought up, he went out of his way to say, look, these these fans are not nasty. UK fans are not the nasty type. They rallied around Devin Askew when he made his – you know, he, Devin had a very rough start to the season. We talked about this on the, on the podcast. At times, it, you know, people said that he just couldn't be on the floor anymore. He was unplayable. And, and at times, BJ, he, he is at times right now. We saw what happened – what's been happening at the end of the games. But Devin played through his mistakes – he kind of grew from from some of those early season adversities, and he has become a brand new basketball player. I mean, De- like I mean, you literally just just mentioned Devin. Devin has just become a whole new point guard, a whole new playmaker. Uh, you know, he's he's turned up the defensive intensity. He's finding new shots. He's making shots. He's kind of found that, that he he's kind of found his go-to shot and that that left elbow, you know, free throw line jumper, and that kind of pull up, uh, you know, dribble left pull. Up that that's kind of become his Shot but he kind of went Through those same trials and Tribulations that, that BJ is going Through right now um, but the fans Were patient with that with Devin and that's something that The that Cal asked for fans to Be he said they said look um, Cal Said I understand that he is not Playing up to his standard right Now he is not playing well he is Struggling very very p- bad right Now but fans need to rally behind Him because if Kentucky is going to be the team that they need to be in March, if they want any type of postseason dreams whatsoever, BJ Boston has to play better. He has to be the star that UK brought him in to be. And and I mean, yeah, we're 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 a third of the way into the season, but we're still only eight nine games in. So we we gotta get past that you know, that, that well, the nine games and we gotta get past that um, you know, his season's done. We he can turn things around. It's it's okay to say yeah, he might not be the shooter we we are, but he still does some does some things that make you go, okay, yeah, do that. We could we can work with that. And I and I think Cal I think Cal's a good point with, with right now we need to rally around him instead of just kind of toss him off to the side.
1: Well, I think what you're seeing is you know, he, he continues to start B.J., and I think that may – and that's why, you know, I said something uh, a couple of days ago that I didn't know if they would start Dante going into this game just because if you take B.J. out, what does that do to his, you know, mindset? Uh, I, I think that they're still trying to bring him along, but when it comes down to winning the game, they're not willing to force it. When right. it comes down to winning basketball situations, I think that's why you've seen it change in the last two games. And I think the staff's hope is that B.J. finally has a breakthrough and becomes that guy that they can kind of play through at times. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Jack also, I think that his comments in the preseason, you know, about the greatest basketball player, not just in college, but NBA and, and all this, I, that puts some pressure on him. Right. which is he's an 18 year old kid he's going to you want to see confidence but i think that's kind of uh, you know force the i guess the fans to kind of react like you know he's not living up to what they thought he'd be yeah. but there's still time and there's still time for him to improve and get him, get it figured out i mean it's sure it's a, it's a shorter season than a normal season but there's still plenty of games here but there were three things jack going into this year that every single person in the state of Kentucky were was thinking one, BJ, Bo- BJ Boston and Terrence Clark were going to be superstars. It was almost a given yep. that, we, uh, that we all thought that. Two, Olivier Saar was going to be their interior presence and a guy that they could play through on the block. He's become that the last two games. Like He's, be- he's, been a, he's really emerged the last two games and the floor is opened up for him. And three, Keon Brooks was going to bring the experience. They've played without two of them pretty much all year. Mm-hmm. And that is when you look at those things and you look at the way this team is and they're 2-0 in SEC play, which is a huge stepping stone in momentum you know, shifter. I think that that is huge, that they've started off league play with two wins. Yeah, But for us to get back in a mindset to where this team can maybe reach that elite status that we all thought they were going to be by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around, I think you've got to have at least two of those three, if possibly all three things to kind of play out the way way that we thought they'd be. Because if you'd have told us that this is how it was going to be, I think we all would have kind of tempered our expectations for this team going into the season. But they've virtually been without two of the three things that we kind of chalked up as givens before the season started. And right now at this point, Jack, we have no idea on Keon Brooks. I know a lot of people are asking me right now, on Twitter and stuff, I've, I've had a couple of people tag me tonight We honestly have no idea if When, Ke- when or if Keon Brooks will be available we, we don't know I mean, Cal Perry said it last night That it comes down to clearance from doctors On, on whatever's going on with Keon We do not know
0: Yeah, and I, and I will say, last night Cal, his tune has changed a little bit Recently on, on the Keon Brooks situation Before it was... He's still doing some things, uh, you know, we're just waiting on the doctors to give him the okay, like it's a, you know, like like it was any other injury. But recently, he started saying things like, we're waiting on medical clearance for Keon, and it, it, it... I, I just I just want fans to kind of stop with the with the there has to be something else going on you know the, the, is he in trouble with the NCAA is he academically ineligible you know th- those type of questions are not helping anything right now because Cal again tonight after the game said we're still waiting on on he, on Keon's injury he is
1: physically not able to play right now
0: right and
1: like and it and it's it's not a decision that. That Kentucky and Cal can just throw him out there, Jack. It has to be cleared by the doctors.
0: Yes. So let's uh, and that we'll we'll kind of leave it at that. Let's kind of just we are we are waiting and we are just as patient as everybody else is. But trust trust UK. I, I know. I know UK and Calipari's history with injuries with the PJ Washington and Jared Vander- Vanderbilt and you know Willie Collie Stein those type of situations have, have kind of made fans you know be walking on eggshells and kind of they they kind of get defensive whenever it comes to injuries and you know in Calipari and part of that is you know Calipari is is slightly to blame because he leaves things so so darn vague half the time that. That they they're just begging for something, and you know that he's just doing what he thinks is fair for the kids, and, and I agree with that. But with this one, just just trust just trust the, the coaching staff on this one. They're they're trying just as hard to get him back as as you know as as we'd like him to be. So yeah, but I, I completely agree. Those those things, uh, you know, especially the two of the three things are huge. But it almost makes me more confident long term. That UK has found ways now to win without those two pieces And it, 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 in, in, my head, in my head, I'm thinking, okay Right now, BJ Boston and Terrence Clark aren't even on the floor In UK's game-winning, you know, game, game-time situation scenarios Which makes me think
1: votes well if they ever do get it right,
0: and that's what I'm saying. Right now, we are getting minutes and production and touches for Dante Allen, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware that we never in a million years thought we were going to get. Those those players are now further along because of the because of the struggles of the players at the top of the rotation. We are now getting more production minutes and touches out of those three guys that we ever thought we're going to get going into the season and that bode's really really well long term if and please win if and it needs to be if and when those two players figure it out and hoping that things turn around with Keon Brooks and, and he gets eligible this season th- th- we even during UK's worst part of 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 the losing streak there were still signs that made you go but man This player's still doing this. What about that energy we're getting out of Jacob Toppin? Man, it looks like Olivier Saar is starting to turn, you know, the second half against Notre Dame, you know, stuff like that. There were little tiny things in every single game that made you go, okay, please, can we just build around that? And can we turn this season into something bigger but knock off the losses at the same time? Can we get get through this losing streak and just start winning games? And can we just put together some sort of run? And two games is two games, and it's against Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, two of the teams that were expected to be the uh, among the worst in the ACC. We get that. We are not going on here and hooping and hollering, and you know th- th- well, th- th- that's not what we're doing. But it's Mississippi it's, State, about 15. and that's true. You're you, that, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's just it's more of a it's more of a long term. You got to start somewhere to get somewhere type deal, and yeah, these to. these wins are. Are massively significant for the long-term future of, of this uh, of this team. Um, kind of just running on down the list. Um, you you mentioned him, Olivier Saar tonight. Twenty-four points, five of ten shooting, fourteen of seventeen from the free throw line. Sean, I, that was a performance that we've never seen before in his college career. Um, I mean, just the fact. I mean, he was he was playing with a physicality and a, a mindset down low where. He was he was attacking that basket, and he was going to do whatever it takes to get to that free throw line or or convert on a basket, and and that's the physicality. You mentioned one of three things for Kentucky to have a successful season. We're lucky to have one at this point, but it really does. It, it is starting to feel like we are starting to get that Olivier Sar approaching potential stardom, or at least not not even stardom, just a guy that you can lean on in the front court to anchor. To, to anchor things, and and UK desperately needed that, and, and I think he is he is very quickly emerged as that guy.
1: Well, you have to you have to create fouls. John Calipari said that on his radio show Monday night was talking about you know they only attempted I think eight free throws in Mississippi State in a double overtime game. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong on that, but tonight you saw them get to the free throw line when you're struggling offensively. There's two things that you can really do to get yourself going. It's either create points and transition opportunities off your defense or get to the free throw line. Yeah. Kentucky was really good at the free throw line tonight, Jack. An area where they had struggled and they've left some points on the table in some games that they lost. That if they had just maybe shot seventy five to seventy six percent from the free throw line, they probably win a couple of games that mm-hmm. they lost uh to knock the turnovers down. So the the areas that Kentucky really struggled in early in the year, they're getting better at. Uh, and that's that's a key takeaway for me. How and here's the other thing too. I you had me spill the hot take in startville last week <laughs> that did. Jacob Toppin is the most important player long term, not this season, but to this program. And I'm starting to feel like I might be on the right trail here. Six uh, six points,
0: six point six he, rebounds, he, yep.
1: He has a, a tendency and a, a knack for just being in the right spot at the right time and just making plays. Like I can rattle off two or three plays in made tonight. Of course, the de- the, de- the defensive effort he had on Pippen late in the game was huge.
0: Right. And then
1: the the energy and effort diving on the floor, keeping that possession, uh, getting Kentucky possession of the ball there. The spin move right after he goes into the game and he had no idea who he was checking in for. I, I watched the whole sequence. He goes, he looks back and asks Cal, who am I getting? And Cal is never the one that's in charge of substitution patterns. It's always somebody, an assistant that sends somebody in and tells them who to get, especially if it's a rotation thing. So Cal keeps looking at him like, how does he not know who he's supposed to get? And as soon as he goes on the floor, though, he makes the the spin move there off the X motion that they do on free throws, gets it, and gets a basket. And I was like, wow, this kid is finding a way to impact – this team in a positive way When three or four months ago We didn't even think he'd even play basketball this season
0: He didn't think and he was going to r- play basketball
1: No he, he didn't <laughs> think he did he, You're right he didn't and that's the thing too I've been riding this train for about Two and a half weeks now uh, Not only on this show I, I don't, I can't remember if I made this statement on the show or not it, it was after the North Carolina game I kind of flipped The way I was thinking about things Because I was looking at guys like Devin Askew Jacob Toppin, uh, and those guys that are kind of Lance Ware, that we look at as role players on this team. And I was thinking, okay, looking at these guys, they're not good enough to go to the league after this year. Unless one of them decides to force something. Like, you know, E.J. Montgomery, we all know that he forced his way into the NBA draft last year. We didn't nope, – nobody nope, thought that was a good move. Mm-hmm. But if you can avoid a situation like that where a kid kind of feels rushed or in a situation where they kind of feel like they don't have a choice and they just want to go to the league, you, there's three or four guys on this roster right now that are making an impact, Jack, that I think could be at Kentucky next. Maybe even beyond that, you should never assume at Kentucky with the transfer portal and everything now. But I kind of see little seeds being sown and stuff that there's some players in, on this team – that can turn into – in that develop into juniors and seniors like I was talking about a few weeks ago, that Kentucky needs to get to the point that they develop their own upperclassmen. I think you have some core guys on this roster that are making natural strides that freshmen and young guys make. And that, that to me, is the most encouraging thing that you're getting right now with this team.
0: And, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you go down, Lance Ware, the guy that – I mean, you look at Lance Ware, there's no way he's touching the NBA next year. But he's still giving you something every time he's on the floor. Tonight was not his, his best night. One point, one rebound. He just went one for two from the free throw line. You know, it just nothing. He, I mean, he did have two blocks and looks like one steal. No, just two blocks. But – yeah, it was still, somebody
1: different, tonight. but
0: but still, right? Jacob Toppin, that another guy. You look at him; he's not going anywhere. He's not going to the league after this year. Um, you know, Dante Allen, obviously he's he's showing something, yeah. but he's not a guy that's that's ready to go to the league. Devin Askew, same mm-hmm. thing. You know, he's he's improving by the day, but he's not an NBA guy right now. You, Kentucky fans have complained for the last—I mean, basically the entirety of of the John Calipari era, but especially over the last several years, that roster management has just been such a massive issue and has been kind of the bulk of, of fans' complaints. And I mean, rightfully so. I mean, roster management has, has been a significant issue. But – Cal has has put together this roster and put and added those type of pieces. Added the Lance Wears. Added the, you know, Cameron Fletcher. I know things are not going well with him right now, and it, well, I guess you could say things are going sl- starting to improve with him, just in terms of, chem- locker room chemistry and and that sort of thing. But Cameron Fletcher, Lance Wear, at the time, Isaiah Jackson. And it's we we're you know the jury's still kind of out on him. Devin, ask you. And uh, and Jacob Toppin, we're all seen as long and, and obviously De- Dante Allen as well. We're all seen as multi-year guys, and by the looks of things, all of them kind of have their spot on this roster, and that okay. is and, and that was something that I was very worried about. And we saw that that those sort of issues kind of sprout with Cameron Fletcher's gripes and and all that, but. It seems like every single player on the roster right now has their role now. They have that fit, and the only thing they're waiting on, outside of Keon Brooks' health status, is the emergence of their two star players. If the two star players can be the guys that we thought they could be at the end of the year, and they emerge, and that raw potential and that raw talent kind of, uh, you know, kind of starts peeking through the cracks and shines through that's when we're starting to talk about this team doing something bigger than making, barely making the the NCAA tournament. I mean, even still that, the UK is still three and six. That is not a, you know, that is still not a guarantee. Things could still go off the rails very quickly. But if you want to dream big, that's how you start. Yeah.
1: It starts with league play. I mean, you're 2-0 and in league play and, You go out and you win, you find a way to win 13, 14 games in SEC play, and I think everybody kind of forgets about the non-conference season. Plus, you have a massive opportunity on your home court to end this month against Texas. That's the game that I'm kind of circling right now, that when you look at Kentucky is what do they look like against the team in Texas who has shown and proven kind of this point to be one of the better teams in college basketball this season, or at least – in the Big 12. That's a huge opportunity at the end of the month to step out of conference play and do that. But back to the overall roster and what we're talking about long term. There's six guys that I'm feeling really confident will be in a Kentucky jersey next year Devin Askew, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, Dante Allen, Keon Brooks, and Cameron Fletcher. If you have that nucleus and that core, Getting the experience that they're getting this year, and you bring them back, and you piece around this roster with whoever faces come in next year, I think that Kentucky fans will kind of it gives them something to look forward to, even if this team still struggles at times down the down the stretch run here of SEC play and into postseason play. Let's say that the best that they do, Jack, is they get to the Sweet 16 this year. Yeah. But then you bring that group of guys back, Kentucky fans are buzzing going into next year to have some guys that they're familiar with. And now I shouldn't say that that's a guarantee that those guys will be back. It's we know not. how fragile this college sports landscape is, is right now. I mean, with, with all across college sports, football, basketball, with transfer portal changes coming, and then just guys being unhappy. But the whole the old saying is, you know, the be- there's beauty in the struggle. This may be the beauty in Kentucky's struggle through the first seven games of the season is it forced Cal's hand. He had to play every single guy on this roster because there, there was no excuse not to. And what it's done is it's allowed some guys to carve out their role, and they've all got to impact this team. Look at Lance Ware Saturday at Mississippi State. Huge on the glass. absolutely Played crunch time minutes. Now, it wasn't a good night for him to not, but he he got rewarded for that performance by getting the start. That's a guy that's not going to lose minutes. He's going to continue playing. Jacob Toppin had the moment tonight. It's a collective thing here with this, with these role players. They're all going to have their moments. Some of them are going to have off knots. But their struggles this season, it's kind of allowed Cal to keep everybody on this roster happy. And I think that was the first step to roster development and roster management. Some, some areas that they struggled in the last few years. Is you got to not only do you got to keep your, your stars happy you got to find a way to let your role guys know That they have a spot in this program too And right now I think all those guys kind of think And kind of see their path to playing time
0: Yeah, absolutely and, and that was the absolute perfect segue To I think we can end it With this uh, segment It's kind of a bigger one um, Dante Allen The star of the show The guy that everybody uh, is just absolutely In love with He checked in today He was the first first player off the bench for Kentucky Got a, the biggest standing ovation you could possibly get for a 3,000-person crowd uh, in the middle of a pandemic. But he sure as hell got one uh, following his 23-point outburst down in Starkville where he kind of reached legendary status. We talked about that. We went and saw it. We saw it in person. Uh, kind of gave some some pretty cool behind-the-scenes scoop about how that kind of came to fruition and, and the f- – extra film work he put in before before we, we get into his, his play tonight. Um, I will say that Cal actually went on his call-in radio show and talked about Dante going out of his way. So every, every night before a game, the UK program kind of comes together for a group film session. And, you know, it lasted, you know, typical just, you know, hour, hour and a half, whatever. After the fact... Dante went up to one of the coaches and said, hey, I need to, I, I need to look over some things. I still, I still need to work through some things and, and, and make sure I'm doing things the right way. Can you stay with me a little bit longer and, and watch film with me? So Cal confirmed that part of it. He said that, that, that he stayed with an assistant coach for over an hour breaking down film. And that doesn't even account for what we saw, Sean, down in Starkville at, at the team hotel, him staying by himself in in the hotel lobby, uh, watching film till I mean shoot it was like eleven thirty Central Time, uh, so twelve thirty Eastern Time, which, which adds just a whole new kind of layer to that story, which was so freaking cool that he just kind of built his. Built his way up the rotation and worked his butt off, and finally got to the point of of getting the game. and, and I wrote a column today, uh, Sean. You wrote one as well when we were coming back from Starkville about how he he kind of he kind of wrote this this story. He kind of wrote this this you know masterpiece, this this Disney movie script that we kind of all saw come to fruition down in Starkville with his his awesome performance. That was all put in with his own work and and the the stuff he was doing. Off the court, and what he was doing when nobody was looking, he was he has been working for this moment, and he got it. But Sean, we everybody was kind of like, okay, yeah, he got he had his big moment that was awesome. We're excited for him. All eyes were on him tonight. About okay, was it a fluke? Was it a one hit wonder? Was, did he just go in there get hot? You know, feeding the hot hand, and, and just gave the coaching staff no reason to to pull him out. Was it that? Or is this a consistent long-term thing we're going to get out of Dante? And 14 points, 4 of 10 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 4 for 4 from the free throw line, and 5 rebounds. Something tells me that this is still – that it's going to be a long-term theme, Sean.
1: He played 32 minutes. Yeah. Tonight, second most uh, minutes on the team tonight. I think that it's long-term. And the reason I think it's long-term is, sure, he he made some defensive errors tonight. There were a couple of times he overhelped, helped helped off the corner. Uh, But you have to keep playing him because of what he does to you offensively. It's not a coincidence, Jack, that Olivier Sarris figured out how to operate in space the last two games. It's because Dante Allen's been on the floor and he's had space. Davion Mintz looks better. Devin Askew has more space to work. It's kind of taking the pressure off Kentucky on the offensive end of the floor when Dante's in the game. And two, the bigger thing for me is what it does is it forces every head coach to kind of lose his mind in film review, because the one thing that he, these coaches are having to say in pregame prep and stuff is don't lose sight of Dante out. Mm-hmm. And you watched it tonight. Vanderbilt was chasing him everywhere, like just running all over, making sure they didn't lose sight of him. That's why Kentucky got the look they did at the end of the game. Is yeah. When Dante, when the floor is spaced out the way they are, the way it was, Isaiah Jackson ran into that screen. It looked like it was going to be a ball screen, and then he slipped it and went straight into a screen for Dante. That side of the floor required so much attention because you can't lose sight of him or he's going to be the guy getting the shot. And then you got the back screen or the flutter screen for Jacob Toppin on the other side. That's what he does to this team offensively. And two, here's the other side of this. Sure, if he's going to make some def- defensive mistakes, what is the only way he gets better? Is he plays. And then he, he you have something to go off of. That's the only way you ever improve defensively is if you play. And I think that that's going to be the focal point for Dante Allen right now going down the stretch of the season is like Cal said tonight. If you make nine mistakes, let's get it down to four. And that's all you want, right, is just some improvement there because if he's scoring the basketball, you got to keep him on the floor. And how big was it in the first half, you know, before he hit some threes? He was able to still score. He hit that pull-up jumper. He got to the rim for a layup. I thought that was a big thing is he, he's trying to show that he's more than just a jump shooter. And if, if, if that's the element of his game that he has, Jack, then yeah. I think the, the future is kind of bright for Dante at Kentucky. I think that this is a kid – That can be in like you expecting to be in your program long term, and it's kind of a piece that you can kind of build around for the next few years to have offensively when you got a shooter like that on the floor.
0: Completely, and he's
1: he's shooting fifty percent from the three point line now, (laughs) eleven to twenty two on the year. Yeah, I mean you ain't got anybody else doing that, so you got to keep playing.
0: Yeah, and his quotes I thought tonight were exactly what Kentucky fans have been begging for this whole season. Because we had heard behind the scenes, we like we knew Cal's gripes and the reason why he wasn't playing the games. It's they said he's lost offensively, he's not grasping the game plan well enough, and he's committing too many turnovers. And in the limited time that he's gotten in the you know three four, I think he averaged like three point five minutes per game, four point five minutes, something like that. In the five four or five games he got before playing against Mississippi State. Where he'd get just a couple minutes, he'd get nervous, he'd make a turnover, he'd give up something on defense, and Kyle would put pull him immediately, and be like, "Well, see, I played him. That that's what happens." And we finally got that. We we kind of said, "Look, we, we he can be something bigger if you give him a longer leash and work through some of those issues." And I thought the Mississippi State game we didn't really get to see many of those issues and you know it was it was so easy to go oh storybook ending it was such a you know magical moment for you know it was the Dante Allen game in Mississippi State and it was i mean that that was a massive massive game for him and i'm so damn proud of him we talked about how much it may, means to the state of Kentucky and, and all that stuff after the game but this game is why i'm excited for Dante Allen because yeah. this – we got to see Dante not, not go nuts. I mean, he went two for five from three, made a couple very solid open looks, that jab step, fake fake right, pull up from the top of the key I thought was just brilliant. You know, some of the early mid-range jumpers he was pulling. I mean, he did a lot of very good things. But we also got to see him work through his mistakes. There was in-game growth with Dante with some of the mistakes and, and miscues and, and missed assignments he was making defensively to start the game, that by the end I thought he was he was coming up with some solid stops. He had a couple big stops on Scottie Pippen, and you know I mean there were a lot there, there were a lot of things that made you go okay. That is why we need to see him long-term. And and I thought Cal's quote after the game was great. He said, Dante broke down a, a ton defensively. He made baskets and free throws when we needed it, but he may have given up as many baskets as he scored, and he very well might have. Um, And he said I told him look if that's the case And it's even Steven I'm probably good with you But he's got to get to where They were game game planning stuff He went under a screen they did some stuff But I'm telling you he deserves to be on that court You know what he does to the defense He spreads out the defense I ran a play for him banged a three right to the top Boom that may may have been out of a timeout Um,
1: That Spain action is is, is going to work wonders with Dante Allen with the back screen Sarr that they threw to the rim that one time and he got fouled and then you know the, the pop there off mm-hmm. of that 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 action killed Vandy in both matchups last year. Uh, Nick Richards, if you remember the game at Rupp, he dunked everything in the final five minutes off Spain action. Yeah, at Vandy it was Emmanuel quickly hitting threes off that same action. Well, they they got Vandy with it a couple of times tonight, Jack, and then they. We're ready for it at the end of the game. But Dante Allen in that action, with Devin Askew you playing how he is with the ball right now, making mm-hmm. the good decisions he is, uh, I'm pretty excited to see what they do uh, out of that set and stuff. Because that was quickly coming off that, you know, last year, who was their best shooter. Now you got Dante coming off that. But, yeah, I think this was the bridge game. Yeah, I think this was, you know, the for a Saturday at Mississippi State, that was the the breakthrough. This was the bridge. This was the bridge to continuity and consistent success for Dante at Kentucky. I thought this was a big one. You couldn't just come out and just, you know, lay an egg. He had to come out and have a solid game. And look, last two games, 37 points, not a 16 from three-point range. He's been rebounding his position. you got to keep playing
0: him. Yeah, and the the end of the quote was the absolute best from Kyle. He said – he had some breakdowns. You know what? Like I told him, you had seven or eight breakdowns, nine maybe. Let's get it to four and then keep making shots. Just keep making shots, kid. Look, you're going to give up something sometimes, and he's trying. He's got courage. What he's doing for us, we can't replace it. I just have to figure out how to get him on defense, better on defense, and or more comfortable. That quote right there is exactly what Kentucky fans – have been begging him for well, the last several weeks, for the last two you know, months. You know what we're seeing from Cal right now? Growth. He,
1: yeah, we are. That That is growth for Cal.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Cal is one of the most stubborn human beings you'll meet. Right, Jack? You're we right. all know that. Absolutely. He is stubborn. He is rooted in his beliefs. He's rooted in his philosophy. But when you're 1-6 and, and you just lost to Louisville in North Carolina – Two teams that you look at as, you know, well, Louisville's a rivalry, and every time Kentucky and Carolina gets together, it's a rivalry. You're kind of looking at your back into a corner, and you've got to sacrifice, and you can't afford to be stubborn. And tonight, I'd see it. When when Dante would have one of his defensive breakdowns, Cal would do his whole, like he was ready to just break out into a rage. Yeah, But he didn't say anything to him was the big thing to me. They would correct it when he'd come to the bench or Joel or Brew or somebody would say something to him. They let him play through it, and that is growth for Cal because that's something that Cal would not do most years. I don't even know if he would ever do it, but it's (laughs) kind of forced his hand this year, and maybe, just maybe, it's, it's the best thing for both. It's the best thing for Dante, and it may be the best thing for Cal, and I certainly think it's the best thing for this basketball team right now.
0: Absolutely, and I I think that is a great way to end it. I, I think these last two games have been so big for Calipari in the Kentucky basketball program, just as a just as a kind of a realization. Like, all right, this team is what it is. When BJ Boston and Terrence Clark are not winning or are not playing the way that that they need to be playing. This team is not the most talented on, uh, on the planet. They're just not. They're not the most athletic anymore. They're not, the, you know, the most gifted, you know, most most skilled. That type of stuff is kind of out the window. And Cal has kind of had to look at himself in the mirror and go, how else can we find out – how else can we win these games? And he he's now had to kind of open the, his toolbox a little bit more and – You know, find these new pieces and try to work with them in in ways that we usually don't see from Cal this early. I mean, could you imagine a freshman Derek Willis coming in and Cal doing the same thing that he's doing with Dante Allen? Or, uh, you know, you just just go down the list. The guys that that typically were in the dog – not the doghouse, but just, you know, at the end of the rotation that Cal wasn't really giving chances to in in the past – those players had to wait long ways before they got their opportunities And you know got to work through to get that developmental period We're getting that right now with all of these secondary guys That we just would not have in a normal year And, that's in, and it sucks that, that we're not getting what we can out of BJ Boston and Terrence Clark and, and I still think by the end of the year we will But until we get to that point it's been a damn joy to watch these these kids at the end of the bench grow. I mean, it really has. I mean, it's been so fun watching Jacob Toppin kind of do the oh, like wow, I, I can be a I can be an impact player at the end of this bench. Dante Allen coming in the, be- in the game and becoming a, a superhero down in Mississippi State. Devin, ask you going through his growth and just where he was to start the year to where he is right now and and you know Cameron Fletcher kind of working through his issues and you know off court issues and watching him clap and smile at the you know off the bench knowing that his chance is going to come at some point in the future i mean there there're just so many little success stories with this season in a losing season so far there've been a lot of individual success stories that make you go okay like like you mentioned earlier you can you can kind of see the reward that comes with the negativity well, Right now and and I think that's, yeah. that's Kind of what Kentucky fans are Rallying around right now it's like yeah it's not well, the prettiest Product but damn there's something good To look at right now
1: Well I think the biggest thing with Kentucky fans and, and maybe I'm wrong You know I, I was a fan at one point I was a fan of this program now that has changed Significantly since I'm working In the media world with this we kind of look at it Through a different lens but I think I speak for most fans on this. When it comes to Kentucky basketball, the most frustrating thing about it is when they would struggle and you'd still lose 85 to 90% of your roster. I don't think that that's the case this on this team right now. We, Like I said, we should never assume, but I don't know why I feel a lot more confident about a lot of these guys coming back, and not just for maybe one year, but multiple years. Yeah. Just by the way that the makeup of the, the players that they've kind of targeted and brought in, like a Lance Ware. Lance Ware, Lance Ware, Dante Allen, Devin Askew, this crop of players, those are the type of kids that win you championships. Those are the type of kids that you mix in with the other guys that that carry you to a Final Four or to a, a second, third week in an NCAA tournament. Uh, and the big thing right now, is Kentucky had to win these two games, Jack. They had to get off to a hot start in SEC play because what they've got coming up now is they've got two really good opportunities here in the next two games, at Florida and Alabama at home next Tuesday night, to if you win both of them, you start to creep back into that NCAA tournament field and you, you start to kind of level out where you are and I think national media, I think that the committee, I think that they start looking at Kentucky differently, if they can just find a way to get some momentum and keep this thing running. So you had to, you had to get the win at Mississippi State, then you had to take it care of Andy, who will probably finish toward the bottom half of the league, the bottom end of it. Uh, then Auburn, owing to an SEC play, and you got them a week and a half from now. So th- this is a stretch that Kentucky needs. It would be massive. If they can find a way to win both of these next two games but you got to win at least one of them in my
0: opinion yeah i completely agree as as we said on this show over and over and over again over the last several weeks and through this losing losing streak just keep winning just got to find a way to win and we kind of do you remember last year um the 2019-20 I- team where they hit that stretch where they kept losing, or they kept winning, but they were winning ugly. Ugly, and w- they they kind of reached that point where they were just finding ways to win no matter no matter what. And we that's kind of what gave us that hope for in, the NCAA tournament going into it. It's like you know things are they they're not winning by thirty, they're not blowing teams out at all, but. At least they're finding ways to win games And that's all you can do in the NCAA tournament And that's kind of the exciting part of, of this right now is, is if we could just If they could just start Putting together win after win That's when you start going Okay, this team can can start Getting some level of momentum And, and give give you some reason to be excited So uh, Exactly and, and here's one
1: thing I, I want to say this before we wrap up Mississippi State and Vanderbilt game As Probably 10 days ago, those are two losses for Kentucky. Absolutely. They lose, they lose both those games a week and a half to two weeks ago. Now they're growing. The turnovers are down. The free throw percentage now went up. The offense is kind of flowing better. They're learning how to win. They're learning how to win those games that they were losing early in the year where Richmond slipped away late. Uh, Notre Dame, they couldn't. They, they, buried, they kind of fell behind big there and then they just couldn't dig out of that hole. Uh, North Carolina leading the second half, didn't understand how to execute and run offense to close out a team. Louisville the same way down the stretch. They're learning how to win. And that is what's taken place the last two games. They needed to win both of these because not only did they need to play well, they needed to be rewarded. And this is a team we've, we've mentioned the luck category. Even Cal mentioned the luck category and Ken Palm on the radio show. Well, tonight, The final shot for Vandy, both of them, they missed one, and then the last one hit the rim. It bounced three or four times, and it fell off. (laughs) This team needed some luck to go along with playing better, and it had to balance itself out, and maybe this might be a turning point to this team kind of getting something moving in the right direction. There's still some problems. There's still some issues, but the Ninety eight, ninety nine percent of college basketball teams right now have multiple issues that they're working through. This is a building block for Kentucky. And some someone close to the program told me the other day, one game at a time yep. is all that Steve's looking for. Now, that's the message in practice right now. One yep. game at a time. Build on it. Take it something into the next one and then just continue getting better.
0: Absolutely. Real quick, I actually just thought of this while we were recording. I know the focus is 100% on this team and, and, you know, how they're working through their – you know, working through some of their issues. But tonight there was a new kind of future development for the Kentucky basketball program. Uh, In Oscar Toshibwe, the West Virginia, you know, kind of standout front court piece that that UK was recruiting really hard. He's a four-star recruit out of high school in the 2019 class – And he entered the transfer – he left the program this weekend, entered the transfer portal today, and I believe Ben Roberts of the Herald-Leader was the first to report that Kentucky was among the first schools to reach out. Um, Sean, this is a guy that told me at the – at the 2019 McDonald's All-American game That he loved John Calipari He loved the Kentucky basketball program And said that if he didn't end up At West Virginia the first time around He was going to commit to Kentucky So yep. I don't know You know, And he also, I believe the, the Report said that he's planning On enrolling in the second semester So I guess this does kind of tie into this, this coming team That he's planning on enrolling In the coming weeks at another school Which Sean UK was among the first schools to reach out This is a high level High energy Kind of force Just kind of a, a bowling ball down low Just a rebounding high energy Force that UK wanted to be that guy the first time around And it's it's kind of clear I mean they were, they were I think the report said that UK was The first school to reach out So I mean If UK could okay. get him on campus and And signed I mean, he wouldn't be able to play immediately as in this season, but he'd be immediately eligible for the 2020 or I guess 2021-2022 season. But he'd be an immediate practice player, Sean.
1: He would be. And you and I talked about it Friday on the way down to Mississippi State. I, we both said Kentucky gets involved in this one, and I actually sent out a text Friday afternoon. The moment he goes in the portal, John Calipari needs to shoot a phone call his way. I just feel like that it would be a perfect – it would be a perfect piece to kind of add to this experience crop that we're talking about that should be back next year. And then you add that essentially to your recruiting class that you're bringing in, and it's in the front court where I think they're going to – I mean, you're obviously going to lose Olivier Sarr. We kind of – going off Isaiah Jackson, his potential, there's going to be some upside there to probably leaving early, but I still think he's going to have a decision to make. Uh, But you could fit right in there. And just you know, get a front court player with with some experience, and I just I think it would be a big deal.
0: I mean, you you factor that in with what they already have in in that class. With you know, they they already have Bryce Hopkins, they already have Damian Collins committed. I mean, they already kind of have their potential longer term. You know, Damian Collins is kind of seen as a one and done type player, but Bryce Hopkins is in that same. Keon Brooks, Lance Ware, kind of expected to be that that two- or three-year type player. So to add a guy like Oscar, I mean, that would be kind of the, the perfect scenario. You have the long-term guys that they already have on the roster, Lance Ware, you know, the possibility of Keon Brooks returning. You know, you go down the, the list – and then you know adding a guy like that who is kind of exactly what Kentucky fans love just the high energy rebounding you know just making tough baskets down low i mean that's a guy that uh, that, would, that would just be a, a tremendous fit in the program there's a reason that Calipari wanted him so bad the first time around so i mean the the excitement the, the excitement would most certainly be there and and there there are little um, just some rumblings about how he has kind of exited at West Virginia. And I think Bob Huggins had some not so glamorous, um, you know, com- comments about him and kind of how things ended there. And, and I think there were, there were some rumors about how he didn't feel confident in how he was being developed at West Virginia and, th- and wanted to, you know, th- that's the reason why he explored his options. So I think that's definitely going to be something that Cal, especially being as close to Coach Huggins, as he is, is going to need to look into a little bit before just signing him on and, and taking taking him on. But um, in my experiences, I, covering his recruitment, I, I had great interactions with Oscar. I, I've um, heard that he's he's a great dude from from behind the scenes. So you know, it, it, sometimes it's there's just bad fits at, at programs, and um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure pretty sure Cal will do his due, gil, due gil, diligence before signing on the dotted line, no matter what, what happens. But it it does seem from, you know, a grand scheme of things type type feel that, that it would be a good fit with, with, with a Kentucky program.
1: Yeah. I'm, I agree with everything that you said right there. If you can get him and add him into the mix of those six guys that I named off earlier. So in my line, let's just, let's just run through this before we wrap up. I know, we're talking present, but we also need to talk future because I think that that's kind of keeping Kentucky fans even more engaged into this basketball team right now is these pieces that we've talked about, like Jacob Toppin moving forward in the program. So perfect roster next year. Let's just assume that B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Olivier on Mims, and let's say let's throw Isaiah Jackson in there. Let's say that, you know, the three freshmen go to the league, into the draft, and then the other two to graduation. Bring those six back that I talked about earlier. Bring in this freshman class of Davian Collins, Ross Hopkins, Nolan Hickman, mm-hmm. and then let's just say that Scott Clark classifies Jack. I think Jade Bradley picking up the offer the other night. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm confident he has a very good shot at landing Bradley, and to me, that might be the domino effect that it pushes Scott to 21, and then Bradley in 22. We we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But those four freshmen coming in the six guys coming back that I've mentioned, and then you maybe you get Oscar in the, in the transfer portal. Maybe then you can kind of key in on an area that you want to do or close this class out with someone else. Then you kind of like what Kentucky has as a mix of a roster going into the next year. You, you blend it with the talent. You blend it with experience. And I, I keep looking to the future, too, because I think that that's what Kentucky fans have been calling for for a long time now is some consistency and some continuity with these rosters. And I I think that Kentucky may be onto something here uh, with some of these guys that have in the program right now that could be very, very key players and pieces to build around for a very solid basketball team the next few years. Yeah. Not saying that this season is written off, but just moving forward, I think that you could kind of bridge that gap of we're starting over every single season. If a couple of things play their play in their favor, and I mean i not, not I don't know anything about the Sky Clark situation. I haven't talked to D- minus camp recently, but it would it would make sense if Bradley 22 and Clark decides to request spot 21 if they do indeed miss out on Hunter salaries and some of the other options they have.
0: Yeah, and I think that's such a good thing, and that's kind of what happened with this past year with Devin Askew, knowing that he was a a reclass guy if you wanted him. And Cal was able to go all in on Cade Cunningham with with a mindset of, okay, if we get him, it's icing on the cake you know we could we can reclass devin or he can stay in 21 you know either either way um but you know kind of similar situation with this knowing if you get both of those players committed sky's already committed you get jaden bradley also committed knowing that if they miss out on hunter south they miss out on jaden hardy um you know just whatever that case is you know you can reclass at least one of them and and shoot I don't see this happening, but I mean, could you see a scenario where it's Devin Askew returning as your lead guy? Um, you know, either Hunter, either uh, you know Sky or Jaden Bradley as your number two, as your number two, and then having Nolan Hickman in the other guard, uh, either Sky or Jaden Bradley as your backup guards. I mean, that's a that's a definitely feasible situation, and that would be something that UK fans would be thrilled about.
1: And to it, another interesting note, we, we don't really know what's going to happen with Davion Mintz. I, I kind of circled on Mintz, Jack, as this kid who's having a lot of success right now in this program. He's missed college basketball seasons in the past due to injury. Will he be a guy that decides to take advantage of this blanket waiver? Instead of and everybody? I don't think Olivier Saar will do that because I think that he came to Kentucky to put himself in a position to be a professional, whether that be at the NBA or... Uh, overseas or somewhere along those lines. But Dave Yon-Mintz is the guy, let's say that Scott Clark decides to stay in 22, and let's mm-hmm. say that Kentucky doesn't get a Jaden Bradley or Hunter South. I think there's value in Dave Yon-Mintz, and I think that that's a guy that Cal wouldn't mind having in this program for another year if he chooses to go that route. I think that's something to possibly watch. We're a long ways away from getting to that point, but it could be something if there's a spot there on that roster with a backcourt, I think Kentucky would be fine with a backcourt of Nolan Hickman, Dave, uh, Davion Mintz, Devin Askew, and Dante Allen going in next year. Or if it's not Mintz and it's Scott Clark, I, I like that backcourt.
0: Yeah. And I think that's because of how positive of a development Davion Mintz being a, you know, everybody kind of knew that Davion would be a, a high impact guy, but, it, you know, kind of saw him as that, you know, just kind of offensive spark plug off the bench, not to the extent of what he has become. I mean, he is – I mean, there have been – I mean, he hit the game winner for Kentucky tonight. They they – Calipari ran a play for him because he had that much confidence And him knocking down that shot I mean, there's a lot of confidence in Davion Mintz In this program And yeah, I mean, that would be something that that I think he You know, this is not inside information or anything But I think it it would be kind of a a, a cool opportunity For him to keep exploring Because, you know, what uh, We don't know what Davion Mintz's professional future is It's very unlikely that he's an NBA guy and, And he's, you know, he's going to be making money playing professionally and you know overseas at the very least for a long time it doesn't matter if he goes now or a year from now you know he he might be looking at this as a as a a, you know a a making up for the opportunity that he missed with some of the injuries and some of the stuff he was dealing with at Creighton you know this this it could be a, a a cool situation for him um to take advantage of, especially if if UK misses out on Jaden Hardy, Bradley, Hunter exactly. Salas, you know, all, the, all those guys. It's just you, Cal is in a very unique situation where he, he will have the opportunity to get very selective with how he finishes out this class. And I think that's something that really okay. excites him.
1: Exactly. Or if you have a transfer out of nowhere that you don't really see coming. Let's just say that one of these guys surprises us and decides to leave then then you can kind of evaluate the Davion situation but i certainly i circled him as the, as the guy on the roster out of all the guys with eligibility you know with the senior of course Sars the other one that i would circle as somebody to watch that could possibly take advantage of that blanket waiver i don't know anything on it i don't i don't know anything about it just throwing it out there that i do think that that would be the most likely one if anyone's going to use it
0: yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so we'll we'll end it with that just a lot of excitement and reason for optimism after what seemed like a whole month in the, the month of December being nothing but pessimism. It does feel good to finally have Something to get a little giddy about, and that's with roster management and just flat-out wins. So, uh, Sean, I appreciate you as always for coming on our show. We loved our trip to Mississippi State, trip to Starkville, uh, the the pre-game and post-game show with with that. I think that's something that we're going to keep doing in the future. You know, especially with this being our, our kind of unofficial post-game show following the Vandy game. So we'll we'll do the same thing with Florida this weekend. Um, Lots of good stuff as always, Sean. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: I appreciate it, Jack. It's a it's a joy to to be on Source to Say. I've, I've loved the interaction with the listeners, and uh, it's something I look forward to every time. I mean, I'm let's keep let's keep churning this thing out. Let's keep moving it forward.
0: Absolutely, um, and on that note, we're we're still in the you know I believe top fifty range of the top basketball podcasts in America. So, guys. We just cannot thank you enough for listening and just always being there and asking us great questions and giving us awesome feedback. Uh, keep – you know, just just keep rating, subscribing us, subscribing to us on that Source of Say podcast feed. It, it makes us look really good. Um, keeps bumping up our numbers and, and you know, kind of beating yeah. out some of these other – there was at one point we were behind the official – like just barely behind the official Duke, like the behind Duke basketball podcast. And, guys – you're not going to let that happen, are you? Like we can't, we can't be sitting behind the official Duke basketball podcast. Like that's just un, that's just unacceptable. So we well, gotta, we gotta wanna, get that fixed quickly. You want to
1: mention the sources? they be, like and why we're saying the sources say be.
0: Well, so, so we are. We, when, when I put this podcast up uh, I put it on both feeds I put it on the, the KSR podcast feed Which I'm sure a lot of you guys are listening to this uh, But there's also a sources safe feed Specifically for our show That when you hit that subscribe button Every single episode that we put goes directly sent to your phone. You can listen to it. The, the second I hit publish, it, it gets sent directly to your phone, and that makes us look really good. It, it pushes our numbers up the charts, and, and uh, you know, we, we start getting in that. It, it makes us look good and, and you know, kind of gives us a little, you know, happy, fuzzy feeling that, that knowing that we're beating out these – Duke Basketball podcast in Kansas and North Carolina. We we're we have some competition. We're luckily ahead of of a lot of guys and we are very thankful for that. But you know what? It's it, it's a competition and I'm all about competition. So I I uh hope you guys continue to subscribe, keep giving us five-star reviews. I believe we have, you know, several hundred um reviews and and I believe we're still at a 5.0 five, five-star review on on um, iTunes at least and, and I haven't looked at some of the other ones recently But all all good things All good reviews, all good feedback We appreciate it, we love each and every one of you Continue to listen, continue to subscribe Continue, continue to rate our podcast um, And then with that Sean, we'll get you out of here Where can fans find your work?
1: You can follow me on Twitter At Country, And you can access all of my work At GoBigWoodCountry.com
0: you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, j.pilgrim@kentuckysportsradio.com. Where well, I've gotten a bunch of new emails. I think uh, some of our listeners are starting to really enjoy that that type of interaction, and I've been email I've been getting a bunch. So I've been trying to get re- as many emails back, and I- I'm still going through the list of. Of, of those and, and trying to get back With every single one of you that have, have Sent an in, in email so if I haven't yet Be patient with me I'll get to it And I appreciate each and every one of you Sean I appreciate you for joining the show And uh, with that we will be back Next time for another edition Of the Source to Save Podcast We will see you then